Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Hello and welcome to this episode 14 of This Spiritual Fix. Today we're going to be talking about the process of forgiveness. Today also starts the first in a seven-part series that we are doing on the primal wounds. We are beginning with the process, which is forgiveness, going into the five wounds in the next five episodes after that, and then we'll be finishing with the final process at the end of the seven series. We do hope that you'll enjoy it. Stay tuned. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hello, Christina. Hello, Anna. How are you? I am great. Today is a good episode day because we're going to be talking about da da dun dun Forgiveness. And unlike our usual episodes where one of us leads the show, we're going to co-host this one. So I'm going to start it and talk about a certain type of forgiveness, and then you will follow with a different kind of forgiveness. Yes, Which yes. they're actually the same thing. <laughs> they are. They're very, very similar. It's it's funny because it's just like everyone has their, their brand and their fashion of whatever kind of forgiveness they want. And thank you for reminding our, our listeners that we switch off. Yeah, we take turns. Yeah. So I got, I got some hot chat for you. Do you want to hear about the elves in Iceland? I do. All right. I've never been to Iceland, but I want to go from reading this news article. You want to hear it? Yes. (laughs) Okay. In 2015, there was debris from a landslide and a whole bunch of construction workers moved the debris onto this magical rock that was supposed to be the home of elves. And all these horrible things started happening, like all these crazy, unexplainable things happened, that the Iceland Road Administration decided that they had to go in, and in 2016, they pressure washed and unearthed this rock in order to appease the elves. Similarly, in 1971, they were constructing a national highway from, I can't say it, Reykjavik. Reykjavik to the northeast, and they were passing over a large boulder that was also supposed to be home to the elves. And the project suffered repeated unusual technical difficulties, like crazy things would happen to the equipment overnight, like un- unexplained phenomenon can occurring. And so the construction workers decided it must be because we are disrespecting the elves boulder. Mm-hmm. So again, the road administration decided that they had to like go completely or like re 
reconfigure their entire highway to go around the elf boulder. Just knowing that the Icelandic people believe in elves to this degree and they actually make governmental decisions based on elves. I just want to go there now. <laughs> yeah, I, I went there for two days, something like that on a layover. And I like, it was funny because I stayed in a hostel. Um, and it was kind of a creepy hostel, but it was... Uh, was really, it an elven hostel? It, it hostel? was not a elven hostel, but it was very close to midsummer. And I cannot tell you how strange it was for it to be midnight and still be light outside. Oh. It was just like, it was such a strange thing. But but to me, I am so not surprised that like the landscape, it's, it's kind of the same with New Zealand. Like I feel like New Zealand and Iceland are very similar, even though Iceland's like, they're both very volcanic and Iceland's just further north. So it's like colder wherever it is, but they both, nature is like there. It's like, there's no separation. There's uh-huh. no nothing like that. Like you are in nature, whether it's because you're having to experience the sun being up for all this time or whether it's because in it's you, wild, it's, it's just wild. It's just this wild place. And because of it, you can't not do that. And so to that same effect on my land, I've been trying to figure out where the nature spirits can reside, where I won't bother them. Oh, interesting. Right. So I have the 60 acres and they they can kind of go where they want, but you just have to like, it's my understanding that you have to make agreements with them to be like, okay, I'm never going to do anything to this hollow. And this hollow is yours. Uh-huh. And then you can know, and then they'll be like appeased because they don't really always like humans to be in their area. And if their area keeps getting encroached upon, then they're going to get pissy, just like they do in Iceland. Right. But I love yes. It. I love that they sabotaged tractors and things. The thing that I really love is that if Iceland is so into nature and things like that, and then they're also doing all these progressive things in their government, they were the ones who created the, at least 40% of your board has to be of a... Uh, different identifying gender. Like you had to have at least 40% women on a 60% board because the only bank in 2008 that didn't go under was a female-owned bank. Oh, wow. I don't know if that was actually a reason. I'm making a correlation that is not true. But my point is, is that if you go and you do the research yourself for all the different things in Iceland, you will find that they do a lot of interesting and progressive social um, and government regulations. And I wonder, mass speculation, if it has something to do with their connection to nature. Oh, wow. To keep things more in balance. That's nice. I like it. Well, moving right along. <laughs> Forgiveness. Forgiveness. So I am going to talk about, and I have to give a, a, a disclaimer going forward, that I have been to Hawaii once as a tourist. I'm going to pronounce all of these words wrong, and I'm sorry. Ho'oponopono originates from Hawaii, and it was coming from a big, te- a big teacher of Ho'oponopono coming from Hawaii was Morna Nalamaku Simeona. So she had a student named Dr. Hugh Lin, and Dr. Hugh Lin was a psychologist, and he learned Ho'oponopono. And he reports that his daughter had some sort of long-term illness and that he, he was unable to get her any relief and that Morna actually healed his daughter. And so he became a believer. So he started to use Ho'oponopono in hospitals. So he worked in the Hawaii State Hospital from 1984 to 1987, which is a high security, criminally insane patients. Like these are the people who are criminally insane. They have done like the nastiest, most violent, vicious crimes you could imagine because they were criminally insane. Right. So he decided to do Ho'oponopono on them. So fast forward three years in 1987, Wrist and ankle restraints were no longer used. Violence almost ceased to exist. And a lot of these 
violent patients were reintroduced to society and considered quote unquote healed, which was like unheard of. It was just unheard of for a criminally insane wing of a hospital to have this much uh, healing, we can say. Yeah. So what did he do? Let me tell you what he did. First, let me tell you what he did not do. He did not do therapy. He did not do counseling. He did not attend staff conferences. What he did do was practice Ho'oponopono, which is radical forgiveness. So this is what he did. And he says that he, the 100% responsibility of their healing relied in him. So this is what he did. Ho'oponopono is an act of true forgiveness. Every single day, I'm not sure like the order, but he would take out a patient's file. He would look at their photo. He would radically forgive the person in the photo over and over and over again. He would then read their criminal report. He would look at the, the images of the crimes they committed. He would read in great detail the horrible acts that they committed. Wow. He would read what they had happened to them in their childhood that led to this craziness. He read it all and he forgave it all. He forgave it. Systemically would go through every single part of these people's charts, forgive it and love it, forgive it and love it. And then he would switch to another person's chart and do the same thing over and over and over again. He went to his office. He never interacted with these people. He simply sat in his office and forgave their medical files. Sounds totally out of this world, but it's not because he says, and I quote, I didn't heal them. I healed part of myself that created them. So what he is saying, yes, yes. What he is saying is in this world, (laughs) in this world, everything that exists in your awareness is part of you. We understand that esoterically. We also understand esoterically that the way that we treat other people or the way that we believe about other people has an effect on them. If you believe your child to be X, Y, or Z, they will become X, Y, Z. There is science to prove that like expectation generates results. There's a observer bias where like even physical atoms, like phys- physicists will change the action of atoms because of their observation of it. We have an influence on the world. Wayne Dyer says, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. So what he did was he decided if these people are criminally insane, if these people have done atrocities, it's because some part of of myself co-created that. Some part of myself believes Mm -hmm. that they were capable of creating atrocities. Mm -hmm. And therefore I am also responsible for it. And because I am a doctor and I am a psychiatrist of all doctors, and because I chose to work with the criminally insane, the part of the world that I need to heal is the criminally insane because they are in my world. So he one by one forgave them and loved them and he changed them. And I just think that's so beautiful. That is amazing. So (laughs) I'm like so happy over here. Yes. Listening to the story. Yeah. So the way that I found out about it was I was listening to a book that someone recommended me by Dr. Joe Vitale, Zero Limits. And Dr. Joe Vitale became a student of Hugh Lin. He interviewed him because he had read about him, like that that he had had these amazing results in the hospital. So he interviewed him. He's like, what did you do? Like, clearly you've done, you did something that no one else is doing. What are you doing? And he taught him Ho'oponopono. And Dr. Vitale became a huge teacher of this process. So if you are a proponent, if you're a believer in Ho'oponopono, you believe that you are 100% responsible for everything in your reality, whether it's good, whether it's bad. You are 100% responsible for the wonderful things that you see. You are also guilty of the miseries that you see. So it's cleaning and letting everything go to God. Which is interesting because this, I'm going to bring up a TikTok, but basically a TikTok 
came to my attention in my For You feed the other day. And it was talking about how, talking about New and Now Age, which was a recent episode that we posted, that there was originally in the Maitreya Buddhism lineage, which is the Tibetan Buddhism lineage, the original practice of breathing in and then breathing out, like breathing in a feeling and then breathing out a feeling. I think they say breathe in, breathe in the positive and exhale the negative. Exactly. That's how they've like capital or marketed it. Yeah. And that, that you could say that that may be like a toxic positivity spin on things of like, I only ever let positive things into my body and then I only ever let out negative things. Right. But what this, what this video was talking about was the fact that actually the original practice, and I did go and verify this, the original um, Tibetan Buddhist practice was actually to basically breathe in the suffering of the world and to then breathe out compassion. Right. Right. So you're, it's this understanding that your body and your consciousness and your soul and your spirit, whatever you want to say is almost a factory for the transformation that everyone can include. Like if you're responsible for the suffering of the world, then breathe in the suffering and then breathe out compassion and then you become right exactly so you become the filter who's capable of transmuting the suffering of the world through your perception through your forgiveness through that process and then to breathe out the compassion back into the world yeah and they and she also was saying in the video and i totally agree with this that if you are in a state of compassion nothing bad's going to happen to you. Like mm-hmm. you think, oh, I can't inhale the suffering humanity. I don't, I don't want that negativity in my body. Like, no, if you are acting from a place of compassion and love for your fellow humanity or for the, this world, nothing bad can happen to you if you breathe that in. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, back to Ho'oponopono. All right. So what is Ho'oponopono? It consists of four steps. We, we discussed this briefly in episode three, but I'll go over it a little more in detail right now. The first step is, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you. So Dr. Hugh Lin says, you can feel it or you cannot feel it. Like sometimes he would look at these patient charts and he would just like, just like a mantra, just spill it out. I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you. Turn the page. I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you. You can also go deeply into the feeling of it. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. You can go deeply in it. I personally like to go deeply into the feeling, but, mm-hmm. but also sometimes I'm driving or I'm just like going about my daily business and I just repeat it over and over to myself. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you to anything and everyone. And I have like, no, I'm not giving it to anyone. I'm just, I just repeat it over and over and over in my head. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and it's on the tip of my tongue. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Cause I'll fall asleep saying it to myself sometimes. So I'm sorry means I'm sorry that I co-created a world in which this criminally insane person was capable of doing something like that. Okay. Please forgive me means I'm so sorry that I believe this because in my belief of it, I helped you actually do that horrible thing. And I also believed in the duality and I also believed in this horrible thing. You know, I just, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, you are the person who, because you co-created yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, forgive me for co-creating this. Yeah. I love you means I know that you are beautiful. I know that you are perfect. I know that ultimately everything is okay. And thank you, like, thank you for bringing this into my reality to be forgiven. Yes. So how does it work for me? I can say, first of all, I can say that it's become like my mantra. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Like, If I'm talking to myself or cleaning, like I'm usually saying that, I've also used it 
I've also used it interpersonally. Like mm-hmm. I give you a funny example. I am a big fixer upper kind of person and my husband is not. And I took on this enormous project of putting in built-ins in my garage. And at one point I was like, I wish my husband would help me with this, but it's not really his thing. Like he doesn't really do that. So I was like feeling upset about that. And I sat with it and I did, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And I just over and over and over again, just kept forgiving the part of me that thought that I needed a husband who would help me with this garage project. And I was also forgiving my husband. Like, I'm sorry that I believe in this illusion that like, I need to have a husband who would help me with this crazy garage project that I myself took on. Like, you know, I just kept forgiving it over and over and over again. He came home from work and he saw me in the garage. He goes, Hey, can I help? I can't explain it, but it's almost like in my forgiveness and loving of it, I broke down the resistance. So now there was suddenly room for him to help because he was no longer locked into my belief that he didn't help. That makes sense? Yeah, because the resistance is like, the way I see it is, well, I'm getting way far out there when I actually say the way I actually see it, but it feels as if the resistance forms the vision of a person and that person it's, it's really hard for that projection of that person, that, that resistance. He was locked in the, in my belief of yeah, him. Yeah. He was locked in the belief and the projection of what you put onto him. And therefore he could not be act in any other way because it was such a powerful belief that you had in him that he wasn't free to be able to do it. And as soon as you dissolved that, then he was free to be who he could be. Right. And I was, fr- and I was okay with him not helping now. It was ironic. Like I was now totally fine with him not helping. And that's when he actually helped. Mm-hmm. And that's happened numerous times. There's just been numerous times where like something bothered me. I sat with it. I forgave it. And in the forgiveness of it, the ho'oponopono of it, I freed it up. I like freed it up to now be what it needed, what it could be. Yep. It's like everything had to exist just for me to forgive it. Yep. And then when I forgave it, it's like, okay, we're done with your lesson. Next, let's open it. Let's open things up. Let yep. them be what they need to be. What, what, let's let them be what they can be now. Yeah. Um, also sometimes when I, like I'm at work and I'm treating a patient and they're in a lot of pain and they're in a lot of pain, I'll just start saying over and over again to their pain. I'm like under my breath, you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I believe in a world where like you had to have surgery. Mm. Forgive me that you're in pain. Forgive me that I believe in pain. Forgive me that I make money off of your pain. I love you. Thank you. I don't know if it helps them. Like they don't immediately go, Oh, I don't have any pain in my knee, but it does make me feel better. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it, it feels powerful. It feels powerful listening hey, to you say if it. it worked for criminally insane people, I hope it can help people who had a total knee replacement. Exactly. Yeah. So that's Ho'oponopono in a nutshell. That is my flavor of forgiveness that I like. And I want to hear about your preferred flavor of forgiveness, Christina. Indeed. Okay. So my preferred flavor of forgiveness is called true forgiveness. And It technically comes from A Course in Miracles, but if you have read, so to give some background, A Course in Miracles is a channel document from the 1970s um, in which a um, staff and faculty at Columbia University, this woman basically channeled, and I'm going to go into this into a, a full episode about A Course in Miracles. It needs its own season. It needs its own season. It needs its own everything. But she channeled a document that was from Jesus. Right. And as controversial as that sounds, it's basically, you know, the story that they have is that a lot of the the sayings of Jesus have gotten a little bit convoluted in the Bible. 
Um, and therefore this was an opportunity for Jesus himself to come in and be like, this is how it is. This is how, this, this is, is my what teaching. I meant. This is what I meant. This is coming directly from the horse's mouth sort of thing. So I got into a course in miracles because I read the disappearance of the universe by Gary Renard. Gary Renard's book, the disappearance of the universe is revolutionary to a lot of people who have, who I know who've read it. Uh, I don't actually know. I feel like it's one of those books that if you don't read it, or if you're not interested in reading it, then it's not going to be revolutionary to you. If you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's definitely one of those books that like, if you feel inclined to read it, then you're gonna be like, Oh my gosh, because what it is, is he has two ascended masters. It's basically a conversation. It's basically a dialogue. He has two ascended masters that just show up in his living room in the middle of the nineties. And they appear to him over the course of eight years, around eight years. Um, and they tell him about the course in miracles in a linear fashion. And if you've read or picked up or done anything with the course in miracles, the course in miracles, the beginning part of it, which is like the scripture, if you want to talk about it is holographic, meaning you can pick up any page in it and you can read it and it stands alone. Like it can stand alone in and of itself. But if you try and read it from cover to cover, it's like you can only take it in little bits. Oh it's my God, like, that's, that's why it's taken me like 10, 15 years yeah. to read three chapters. Yeah, exactly. And so there's there's a workbook that has a day, a lesson for every single day. I have been studying The Course in Miracles now for for probably eight or nine years off and on. And I've maybe only gotten as far as 105. And there's 365. So it's like... It's so dense and it's so holographic and non-linear. Even when you do the workbook lessons, like the, it's just so, there's so much to learn in every single lesson that like, I feel like the course in miracles, I can progress through the course in miracles as fast as whatever my spiritual progress is and not no faster. Like I couldn't just go home right. and read it and be like, Hey, I know everything. Right. It, it doesn't work like that. So Gary Renard's book was so revolutionary because it is such a good gateway into the course in miracles. Because these ascended masters are like, hey, we lived at the time of Jesus and we're going to tell you what is the most important thing to get out of the Course in Miracles. And the thing that they say is the most important thing to get out of it is, they call it true forgiveness. It's effectively radical forgiveness. It is true forgiveness in the sense that you are you are recognizing exactly what Anna was saying with the Ho'oponopono, is that you're recognizing that there isn't that everything that you are seeing, the language is just slightly different, but it's basically the same thing. Everything that you are seeing is a, is a projection of your unconscious guilt, right? Your guilt for being in the world of suffering, for being in the world of impermanence, for basically sep appearing, not actually separating, but having the appearance of separating yourself from source, God, whatever you want to call it. And so the forgiveness comes in because you're just forgiving your guilt. Like everything that you see, all the suffering that you are seeing is the projection of your unconscious guilt. And so you're just saying, oh, I forgive you. And so it's like, I feel like the reason I love Ho'oponopono is that it feels more down to earth. And I feel like true forgiveness can feel like when you're like, well, I don't feel guilty. Like, you know, like you can, you can kind of throw it out, the baby in the bathwater with true forgiveness if you, if you don't understand or kind of relate to this idea of seeing the world as, as a projection of your unconscious guilt. Um, but the steps are very, very similar. So how do we truly forgive? 
first of all, truly forgiving is not about, I forgive you, right? There's nothing like this. This is what I'm going to say. What is, is not first. It's not about, I forgive you because the idea is that there is no I and there is no you and you haven't ever done anything wrong. Like the world is sinless. It is without sin. Mm-hmm. And if the world is without sin, then what are you forgiving exactly? Right? Because people can't harm you in the same way, right? Like you, like you said, you have something to do with the co-creation of everything. Therefore, no one can do anything wrong against you and you can't do anything wrong against them because from everyone's perspective, everyone is responsible for the creation of all the good and all the bad and every single thing that we see. So how do you then truly forgive? First step is to remember that you they say dreaming, but it's like, imagine the matrix sort of idea where, where we're in an illusionary world and we're in a movie. It's like, it's like being in a movie and that's the view that they have, right? Is that we're in a movie and, and that's just a way that we can do it. It's a holographic movie that we're experiencing and it's all just, it's like playing up the past. It's like all our thoughts, all the things that we are seeing are all just things that happened in the past. And therefore, if you can remember that you're not in the real place. Like if you can remember that this is not the, the place that you're trying to go, the source state, the zero state, as I call it, we're like in the third dimension, we're in the third dimension, but we're not actually in the third dimension. The the third dimension is a construct that we're experiencing, but it is not our reality, our actual reality. Right? So the first thing is to remember that you're in this third dimensional reality and that this third dimensional reality is not the reality that you have to experience all the time. And then the second step is to forgive both yourself for actually still being in the third dimension, as well as anything that you're trying to forgive in the projected reality, right? So basically, and another way of saying that would be, I am going to forgive myself for seeing that you've harmed me and I'm going to forgive you for, for appearing to have harmed me. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then the last step is, uh, the, the words of the course in miracles, the course of miracles is full of a lot of biblical language and they use the term, the Holy spirit, but I have since heard, and it actually helped me a lot because I have trouble with biblical language. I know you do too, Anna. Um, the Holy spirit is the higher self is our higher self. That's outside the illusion, right? Like it's outside. It's, it's the one that doesn't is like, has the perspective of all of time and doesn't actually have to be sitting in a moment in time. Like we are most of the time when we sit here. So the third step is to trust the Holy spirit and choose its strength. Right? So it's basically, so if I were to summarize this in a more, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of channel through a more simplified version of this. Recognize true forgiveness is recognizing that the pain and everything that you experience is not the reality that you have to experience, that there is a, there is an experience of reality that is true and not full of pain and not full of suffering. And to say, I'm so sorry to all the things that feel, uh, you know, to, to all the things that keep me in this reality, whether it was you harming me or me harming you, anything that makes me feel like this is real, I forgive it. I forgive it totally. And I see you as perfect. And then giving, giving the power to your higher self to help you to get through that. Another way that I like to do that, which is a simplified form, that's the form of true forgiveness that you can see in the Course in Miracles and the disappearance of the universe. The perfect, the, the, isn't that funny? I was about to say the perfect form of it. The form that I feel most I relate to 
is this idea of seeing everyone as already perfect. Mm-hmm. There is a really influential um, guy who, his name is Joel Goldsmith. He's actually not that influential. He's kind of fringe, but he was a faith healer. Uh-huh. And what he did to faith heal, his process was just seeing people as perfect already because it did exactly like you said with Eric. You got rid of the idea that somebody was sick and you just saw them as perfect. And when you saw them as perfect, if your view of them was strong enough, then you could break through whatever they felt was whatever they felt was keeping them in an ill state. Right. And so that's when it comes down to this idea of like, I'm forgiving everything. I'm recognizing that you're already perfect. I'm forgiving the illusion. And I'm saying that it doesn't exist. And I'm and now you're free to be whatever you want to be. That is a lot. I feel like I've just like dumped a massive part no, of I, I, forgiveness. I love it. Yeah. It's, um, it's the reason I love Ho'oponopono and the reason that I love that is that it just feels like, like I said, it feels more accessible. True forgiveness is, is an amazing practice, especially if you do my little like perfection version of it in which you're just seeing everybody is perfect, perfect. Cause it kind of just lumps it all into one act. But, um, but yeah, so go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, when you see everybody as perfect, you kind of make all the wounds obsolete because I was just thinking about it. If everyone is perfect, then there is no injustice. If everyone is perfect, there is no one to reject. Mm-hmm. If everyone is perfect, there was no one to abandon. And if everyone is perfect, there was no one to shame. Yeah. It's like, it's actually the answer for everything. <laughs> it is. It is because it sees reality. It, it, even, if it's a con, even if it's like a crutch to be able to see reality as it is, and maybe you know, you're, still, you're still in the confines of the third dimension from the third dimension trying to look from this reality, illusory, this Maya, whatever you want to call it, which is what the Hindus call it, um, if you see it as perfect, you are attempting to look past the illusion because, and just say, I, I, I might not be able to see past the illusion, but I'm going to try and I'm going right. to change my mind. I'm going to change my and, mind and, to see you as perfect. And even if I can't see the, through, through the illusion, I'm going to jump ahead to the conclusion I would have if I could see it, which is that everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. And so in, in, in a summary of all those steps, I really do just say you're perfect. And it's, and it's interesting because I've definitely been in experiences where I have felt Gary Renard in one of his three books that are all in a series, The Disappearance of the Universe, This Immortal Reality, and Love. I can't remember the subtitle, um, but I'll put it, link it in the show notes. Um, he talks about how sometimes you get these slow burn forgiveness lessons right? Where it feels like it's just the wound, right? That keeps coming up and keeps coming up and keeps coming up, right? And sometimes it doesn't feel like you're ready to let it go and you're ready to see it as perfect yet. But even the act of just continually forgiving it in this way of seeing it as perfect and saying, okay, this is where I am right now. I accept that. And I forgive the part of me that thinks it, that still needs it. The part of me that thinks that it's real and I, and it is perfect. Even in, even in whatever it is, even like whatever illusion is there that says that this harmed me or I harmed it or anything like that. It's perfect. It's total acceptance. It's mm-hmm. going back to the whole acceptance thing. Yeah. If it's perfect, you accept it. Yeah. There's no resistance. There's no resistance. You completely make yourself empty. Right. To any expectation around it. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I think, I think, you know, the, a great mirror work is like just to look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. That's a really good one. Yeah. I do want to tell the story um, that you were referencing earlier. 
Uh, but the, we were sitting in the Broken Egg Cafe, pre-pandemic, mind you. Pre-pandemic. We had one of our rare times in which you were in my area where I was working when I actually worked in an office before. And I had just, I was in the middle of reading the second Gary Renard book, I think. I can't remember where it was exactly, like at what part of the book I was, but I was just like, I was like, Anna, we can just forgive everything. And then all of a sudden stuff will start to disappear, right? Because that's one of the things he talks about in the book. And he talks about this a lot is this idea that like, you could just be sitting on your couch watching the news. So very similar to what I feel like Dr. Hugh Lynn did when he was looking at the things. He, he, you could be sitting on your couch, watching the news, watching something horrific that's going on, and you can just start practicing true forgiveness or Ho'oponopono or radical forgiveness or whatever you want to call it. You can just say, I forgive the part of me that needs this to be real, right? Like I forgive, this is, this is not what I think it is. This is, this is perfect. And in doing that, you start collapsing dimensions around you. So it's like timelines that could have happened start collapsing. Because they don't need to happen. And the crazy thing is, when you start forgiving things that are neutral, they collapse. Mm-hmm. Like I was, after you told me this, I was like, I was filling up my gas in my car and I was looking at my car and I just kept saying to my car over and over and over again, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. My car, which is absolutely neutral, it fucking started dissolving in front of my eyes. It just started disappearing. Yep. Yep. And we did it in a chair. We did it to a chair in the Broken Egg Cafe. We both started looking at the chair and you were doing Hoponopoto and I was doing Rattle Foot Uber. And we, and I was and doing we were just like forgiving the chair for being a chair, for the chair having to exist as a chair. Yes. And it dissolved. And it dissolved. And I remember feeling with the two of us combined on that particular thing, like I remember I could feel the entire room shifting. It was like, I almost would have felt a breeze yeah, if, if you could have like felt the, the dimensions collapsing around it. Like, it, And it, what it does is it basically, if you were to think about it, to get slightly meta here about like what this process could be doing, is that until you get to the point where you can recognize the illusion and you can say, I forgive you, right? Where you can basically help it to start dissolving you're just creating more and more and more possibilities, right? It's like the multiverse keeps infinitely expanding over and over and over again, right? And as soon as you kind of reverse the flow, like I think of it as like reversing the streams in Ghostbusters, right? Like as soon as you like reverse the flow and you start to forgive and recognize, you stop creating more dimensions and you start collapsing them. So then all of a sudden- Because it doesn't need the stories anymore. It doesn't need the stories anymore. You don't need to go through that timeline anymore because you don't need to go through the timeline where you get into a car accident because of whatever, because you've already forgiven it. And so it's like, you don't, you don't have this need like this, this- Like if everything exists to lead us to the ultimate, to understanding, to forgive it. If you jump ahead by just forgiving everything, you don't have to go through all the stories. Exactly. Exactly. You're just like, you're doing the work of not having to do that. And that's why in the disappearance of the universe and in all the books that follow, he says, just do this. Like if you don't do any other practice, just do true forgiveness or Ho'oponopono or radical forgiveness, whatever you want to call it, whatever your version of forgiveness is, as long as it comes from a place of recognizing that nobody can harm you and that you have a role in every single thing that you see, that you are the, you are seeing it because you helped create it. And therefore, you have the power and the responsibility to, as The Course in Miracles says, be the savior. Because you can just affect everything around you. And if you're seeing it, then you helped co-create it so you can help dissolve it. 
We're back. So this episode of Forgiveness doesn't feel complete without adding a little more information. So we're recording this on a rainy day, so it might sound a little different than the episode you just heard. But in the very act of listening to this episode, more things came up for Christina and I regarding forgiveness that we'd like to share with you. Yeah, go ahead. So one thing I wanted to say is when I was listening to this episode and I was thinking, forgiveness is so great. I can forgive so many people, but I can't forgive Mr. X. But that's okay. He's my get out of jail free card. I'm still going to attain enlightenment without forgiving Mr. X. So the joke is Mr. X was the first person I needed to forgive when I listened to this episode. Mm -hmm. And what I did was, just like the step said, this person did something that to me was unforgivable and I sat with it and I sat with it and I forgave him and I forgave myself for needing to judge him and I forgave myself for everything leading up to this situation. And ironically or fittingly enough, the next day after forgiving, Mr. X reached out to my husband for a favor. Why am I bringing this up? What happened there? What happened was, and that is one of the most important parts about what we're trying to tell you here, is that when you forgive other people, you collapse the story. Because I forgave Mr. X, I collapsed the tension, I collapsed the story around us. And in doing so, he reached out to my husband after weeks and weeks of not reaching out to my husband because on some energetic vibrational wavelength, he felt my forgiveness and the story collapsed. I have I have three other stories like that. I had this time in my life when I was systematically going through everyone in my life who I wanted to just forgive when I first learned about Ho'oponopono. And I forgave this guy who took me out on like the worst date of my life. I was I was his plus one for a wedding. And when we got there, he compl- I had never really, I didn't know this guy well enough. He ignored me completely at the wedding. He hung out with all his friends. I was literally stuck at a table eating my food by myself the whole night. It was a really shitty date and I forgave him for it. I kid you not, within a week, I randomly get an email from him being like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but sometime last year I took you out on a date and I just really wanted to apologize for my behavior. It was like, what are the freaking odds? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even remember his name and that happened. And I have two other stories where like me and a friend were in an argument And I forgave them. And within a week or within a few days, they reached right back out to me because they felt it. On some level, they felt it. So when we're talking about forgiveness, collapsing stories, it is so important to understand that when you forgive other people, you're not necessarily doing it for them. Yes, they benefit from being forgiven. And you're not necessarily doing it for yourself because, hey, it feels great to lessen the burden on your shoulders of being resentful towards someone. But what you're doing is for the entire universe, actually, is you are collapsing a story. You could think of it like the universe has you walking down a hallway and there's only one door at the end of the hallway. And as long as you're stuck in a story, you are destined to only open that one door. And when you forgive the story and you forgive everyone involved in the story and you forgive yourself and you forgive the wounds that come up in the story and you forgive the story itself, that door collapses and you no longer need to walk down that hallway and suddenly a hundred doors pop up. That's why my friends reached back out to me. That's why that date reached back out to me. That's why Mr. X called on my husband. Because when I collapsed the story, I no longer needed to walk down that hallway and I opened the world up to so many new possibilities. So Christina, what about you? So I kind of want to piggyback onto that because 
Never underestimate your desire to keep a story open, right? This is so, so important. And this is something that I can tell from a lot of experience that I've had with this is that we, our lives are just a framework of stories that are overlapping on top of each other. So for me, if my story is... My mom died when I was six and I became, and, and, and I got into, you know, and my family didn't accept me and da, da 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 and that becomes my story. If I am still attached to that story, then I'm not going to even think to forgive that story, right? Like I'm not even going to forgive to think to forgive the things in it. Or if I'm so attached to that story as my identity, then it's going to be really hard for me to want to forgive, like for it to even come into my consciousness to forgive it. Because when we lose our stories, sometimes we feel like we lose our identity, right? And so forgiveness is this totally radical, like it's called, like it's a, you know, people call it radical forgiveness because of the fact that it can kind of, if you get really into it and you're really enthusiastic about it, there's a part of it that can start to dissolve the stories that make up your identity, right? And bring you down to zero, bring you down to zero. And that is really, really hard. Like I can't tell you how long when I first started doing forgiveness in my life, um, back when I was first doing the, the course in miracles, like right after the disappearance of the universe, I, I kind of got stuck in this place where, all I could see was the unraveling of the stories. And I was like, what the fuck is left? Right. And I've mentioned this on a lot of different episodes. Right. But I was just like, what is left if I don't have anything? Like if I'm just forgiving everything and this is all an illusion, what do I have left? What is on the other side of this? Because I don't have an identity, which means that I don't even want to be in this world. I know I don't want to be in this world anymore. I am forgiving so that I can get the fuck out of here, which is (laughs) an also kind of an aversion thing. Right. So it's also kind of creates its own thing that needs to be forgiven right (laughs) but um but the idea is that like I was so eager to leave and not have any of the fetters of 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 any of the things that were keeping me in a human form having to be reborn over and over and over again and I was so sick of having this world that betrayed me and I was so sick of doing all this stuff I was just like forgiving everything but with this this hatred because I couldn't figure out what was on the other side. I wasn't even thinking about what was on the other side. I was just trying to get the hell out of here, right? By using forgiveness as this tool to do this. And that is only half the story, right? So in true forgiveness, you realize that it's an, an illusion and then you forgive it. But it's all about recognizing, like, th- that's why I had to change it to you are perfect, right? Like, that's why I had to change it to you are perfect, because because I couldn't see the love that sat behind everything, right? Because when you take, when you get rid of the stories, you get, you you unweave the weft, right? Like, the weft of time and space that has created you to this point, becomes unraveled and you can pull a string and you can completely unravel everything that you thought that you were. But what you start to realize is that the quilt that makes up your past self is just covering over the universal love that exists. And if you can't and, and, and those those pulls that when you pull the string of all your stories and you start forgiving it and it starts collapsing both future and the past, you start to recognize that all the light that's shining through can be seen. That's love. Like, it's just love. It's just fucking unendless love. Like, it's just, it seriously is just like this creative force and this like 
it's, it's this river of flowing unconditional love and it's amazing and if you can't if you're only forgiving like I was to get out of the illusion then you're missing the second half and you're missing the point because it, you're creating its own cycle and it leads to a lot of depression and anxiety I can tell you that maybe it's a sign of ascension which I've actually read, uh, like wanting to get out of here is a sign that you're making progress. Yeah, but the other part of this is I just want to continually, I want to feel that peace, that moment of peace and love, and I want to expand it in my life infinitely. And that is the mechanism for how I can forgive. So mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to say because I struggled with that for years. And if I can, if you need to go through that journey, then that's fine. If you're halfway through that journey and you're ready to get out of it, then that's fine. Or if you can need, if you can skip that dimension where you go through that anxiety and depression and not wanting to live in this world, not in a suicidal way, but in a, in a spiritual nihilistic, not nihilistic. I don't even know what the word it is. It was just this like desperate to find an exit way. (laughs) Then, you know, please please avoid that experience um, and collapse that dimension because I've gone through it. And if I've gone through it, then so have you. I wanted to add two more points to this forgiveness episode that I think are really valid. One is accepting apologies is another side of forgiveness. And you can accept apologies from people who are not even ready to apologize. Yes. And that, that leads into the next thing I want to say, which is in, in the Vipassana meditation courses, every single night when you're a server, we sit down and do a meditation. At the end of the meditation, we say this, and this is a wonderful place to start. This is a wonderful place of everything we've talked to up till now. It just seems a little too much for you to see everyone as perfect or forgive certain things. You can start with this very basic forgiveness meditation or forgiveness chant. It's all about apologies and forgiveness, and I love it. And it says, you look back in your day and you say, if there's anyone that I have harmed through my actions, words, or thoughts, I seek pardon. Please forgive me. And if there is anyone who has harmed me through their actions, words, or thoughts, I forgive you. And I think that's a really strong, really powerful one to help bring things down to zero. So if everything we have said today is a little too much for you just yet, to radically forgive, to do Ho'oponopono, to see yourself as a co-creator, you can just start with that simple one on a daily basis. Forgive anyone who has harmed you in that day. Yeah. And seek pardon for anything you have done. And that includes yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, yourself, right? Because yeah. you are the source of all consciousness. All right. So in closing, let's remind ourselves of Dr. Hewlin's quote, which I love. Yes. I didn't heal them. I healed the part of myself that created them. I love it. I love it. All right. All right. Till next time. Thanks, everyone. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of This Spiritual Fix, the first in our series of the five primal wounds. We're starting with the process of forgiveness, going into the five primal wounds starting next week with abandonment. So stay tuned. It's really worthwhile work and we really recommend it. So take care and we hope to see you next week. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, 
One girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.